Hey, Keith here from Mind of the Modern Man podcast, the podcast about a guy in his 40s just telling stories about living life. Today I have another for you dating back 20 years, a story of joy and opportunities lost. I call this one This Close to Perfection. Into the Mind of the Modern Man. Let's go. 20 years ago, on July 18, 1999, I traveled with the girl I was dating, who shall remain nameless, to watch a game at Yankee Stadium. The old Yankee Stadium. The one Babe Ruth built. Not Jeter's shiny cathedral that stands there now. We headed to the stadium long before game time because today was a special day. It was Yogi Berra Day. You see, for years, Yogi went missing from the stadium for events and old-timers' day ceremonies. He and George Steinbrenner had a major falling out, and Yogi refused to step foot in the stadium. We were this close to never seeing Yogi again. As Yankee lore has it, Susan Waldman, the radio announcer for the Yankees, intervened and got George and Yogi to make up and bury the hatchet. To make it official, George threw Yogi a huge celebration at the stadium. He invited back Yankee legends, and they made a big deal about Yogi finally coming back. I had to be there. I never watched Yogi play, obviously, but no good Yankee fan doesn't know Yogi. I have a strong reverence for the little man who was so good at what he did, and I mean on the field. He's too often only known for his Yogiisms. But look at the stats of this guy. 358 career home runs, a 285 lifetime batting average, 18 All-Star games, three-time American League MVP, 11 seasons in the top 10 of putouts by a catcher. 10 World Series rings, and he's a Hall of Famer. Only Johnny Bench and Josh Gibson are considered better than Yogi in the history of the catcher position. Yogi was this close to being the greatest. But you know what? That's not why I wanted to be at Yankee Stadium that day. You see, this was the first time Don Mattingly was coming back to the stadium since his own retirement ceremony a few years earlier. I grew up loving the Yankees in the 80s when they were bad. I grew up idolizing Donnie Baseball. He wasn't the strongest, fastest, or sleekest, but no one worked as hard as he did. He was just like us. He was a role model. He just worked really, really hard. For a few years, there wasn't anyone in the game better than he was. He was my hero, and he was coming to Yankee Stadium. And therefore, so was I. The girl I was dating, who shall remain nameless, and I arrived somewhere between 12.30 and 1. We parked in the lot beneath the tracks, walked across the big sky bridge, past the guy playing the Flintstones theme song on the flute, to Babe Ruth's bat, and across the plaza to the stadium gates. We got our tickets punched and found our seats out in the left field stands. And it was hot. I looked it up. On this day in the Bronx, it was between 95 and 98 degrees and nearly 100% humidity. It felt like we were this close to the sun. The crowd filed in and the ceremony began. Yogi was toured around the entire stadium in the back seat of an old convertible and was led to his place at home plate. Yankee legends came out of the first base dugout. Whitey Ford, Phil Rizzuto, Willie Randolph, and the man, Don Mattingly. The ceremony went on and we cheered like crazy people. They had the ceremonial first pitch and the game finally began at 3.19 p.m. My beloved Yankees took the field against the visiting Montreal Expos. I had never seen the Expos play, so this was another thing to check off my bucket list of teams to see. 
Good thing, too, since they left Montreal five years later and moved to Washington, D.C. to become the Nationals. In the top of the first inning, Montreal's Terry Jones hit a liner off starter David Cohn into the right field gap. I vividly remember Paul O'Neill sprinting over from right field and making a great diving catch. It was a highlight reel play. He was this close to missing it. In the third inning, the skies opened up and the rain poured down. We ran from our seats to seek cover and joined the rest of the 41,930 in attendance in the corridors of the stadium. If you'd ever been to the old Yankee Stadium, you'd remember the corridors were old, 1970s concrete, and on this day were acting as an induction of and cooking anyone standing in there. If it was 98 degrees outside, it was easily 120 inside the narrow halls of that stadium. After a 33-minute delay, the game resumed. We went back to our wet seats and sat to watch some more. After another inning or so, the girl I was dating, who shall remain nameless, let me know she really didn't feel that well. The hot temperatures, the big crowd, the soaking rain, the questionable stadium hot dogs, the fact that we've been in those seats for nearly six hours by this time, she was done. I was always a dutiful boyfriend, just as I am a dutiful husband now. So I turned to the girl who I was dating, who shall remain nameless, and told her we can go. I saw fun baseball. I saw Yogi. I saw Don Mattingly. I've seen the monster of a man that was Vladimir Guerrero in his wild swings at the plate. I was plenty satisfied. So we got up, walked our way through the sixth circle of hell that was the interior of the Yankee Stadium, across the plaza to Babe Ruth's bat, up and over the sky bridge, past the guy playing the Flintstones theme on the flute, down to our car parked under the tracks. We got on the Major Deegan and headed back to Connecticut. As we drove, I turned on the radio to listen to John Sterling's call. The girl I was dating, who shall remain nameless, had the AC pumping and was feeling better. Somewhere around Stamford, Connecticut, was dawning on me that something was happening back at the game we left. Or more specifically, something was not happening. David Cohn hasn't given up a hit, or a walk, nor has he hit a batter. The Yankees didn't commit any errors, and no one has reached first on a strikeout with a passed ball. David Cohn was pitching a perfect game. I kept on driving, and we kept on chatting, with me having one ear tuned to the radio the whole time. The seventh inning ended as we were approaching Fairfield, Connecticut, on the Merritt Parkway. The top of the eighth went by quickly, and David Cohn hasn't given up a hit, or a walk, nor has he hit a batter. The Yankees didn't commit any errors, and no one reached first on a strikeout with a passed ball. David Cohn was pitching a perfect game. This was pre-cell phone, at least for the majority of us, so I quickly pulled over at a gas station rest stop in Fairfield and rushed to the payphone. And if the payphone reference didn't date this story, this part sure will. My mother, as big a Yankee fan as they come, picked up the other end. Oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe you're there. Mom, I'm not there anymore. What? I'm not there anymore. I don't understand. How are you not there? Mom, I don't have time to explain. Listen to me. I'm in Fairfield. Put a tape in the VCR and record the last part of the game, just in case I don't make it there in time. I'll be there in 15 minutes. I hung up, got back in the car, and raced back onto the Merritt Parkway. I was this close to my parents' house. I think by now you know what happened over the next 30 minutes or so at Yankee Stadium on a 98-degree day on July 18, 1999. It'll be a 1-1 pitch. He popped him up. He's going to get it. Groshes down from third. Groshes makes the catch. Ball game over. A perfect game. 
A perfect game for David Cohn. The third time works like a charm. It is the third perfect game in Yankee Stadium history. Don Larson in 56. David Wells in 98. David Cohn in 99. 27 up, 27 down. David Cohn has attained baseball immortality. I watched David Cohn's first pitch sitting in the left field stands at Yankee Stadium. I watched his last pitch in the fetal position on the carpet of my parents' living room. Hi, my name is Keith, and I left David Cohn's perfect game in the fourth inning. I was this close to perfection. You may think this was the end of my story, and for many years it was, but how's this for a wonderful karma kick in the pants? A few years ago, my younger brother was a guest for a game in a VIP skybox at Yankee Stadium. It was the real deal. All the food you could eat, a stocked beer fridge, the works. And at some point, a Yankee great would come in and watch the game with those lucky folks. My brother was pumped when he saw David Cohn walk in to shake hands, sign autographs, and just chat. When it was baby bro's turn to speak with Mr. Cohn, he told him the best story he could think of the one you just listened to. His big brother, a huge Yankee fan for life, left his perfect game in the fourth inning because a girl he was dating, who shall remain nameless, wasn't feeling well. The man behind the perfect game of July 18, 1999, now knows my story. David Cohn's reaction? Wow. Sucks to be him. Once again... David Cohn was perfect. Well, that's my story. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe and find more at mindofmodernman.com on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes for helping to put this together, and thanks to you for listening. Until next time, remember what my grandfather always used to say to me, you do nice work. Not much. But what you do is quality. So long. Swing, bada, bada, swing, bada, bada, swing, bada, bada, swing. Swing, bada, bada, swing, bada, bada, swing, bada, bada, swing, yeah.